Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Joining me now is the guy they like to call Frankie Ice, or at least I do. Uh, Frank Isola jumps aboard here on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Frank? Jody Mack, what's up? The Yes Network, I do stuff. Any SNY? Yes, but I said SNY. My SNY, bad. SNY got rid of me. No, no, oh, we, uh, they didn't get rid of me, but yeah, I do. I do the Nets pre and post, and then I do uh, obviously a couple of ESPN shows. I appreciate uh, your correction. Now, since you do the Nets pre and post, have you heard anything today? Maybe you get some information before the rest of us do. Uh, any report on how the MRI for James Harden looks? No, but, you know, the fact that he's out for game two, obviously, I mean, that was going to be a quick turnaround anyway. But I would say this, you know, usually when a guy, when the injury's not that bad, after a game, they'll say it's not that bad. When I always have of the belief, whenever it's a pretty serious thing, they always say, we don't really know yet. And then, you know, Steve Nash kind of flipped up a little bit and he said, I'm heartbroken for James. Why would you be heartbroken if it's not a serious injury? And then the way Kevin Durant spoke. So I'm a little worried for James Harden. The last time he had the injury, same hamstring. He left the lineup on April 12th, did not come back until – I'm sorry, he left the lineup on May 7th. Let me do this again. He left the lineup on April 7th, did not come back until May 12th. So he was out a while the last time he suffered this injury. And if you look at his history, not only is a guy that has been very, very durable, he's played hurt before. So for him to miss time, believe me, it's a, it's a legitimate thing, and it's uh, got to be concerning for the Brooklyn Nets. Right, and uh, I will uh... – admit this to you and i've been saying it on the air um i got a lot of net fans that uh call the show and uh say that uh the nets are locked to be in the nba final and uh it's a uh, given that they're going to get through before the playoffs even started and every one of them started their conversation with when the nets get healthy their big three there's gonna be no competition in the east and i would always correct them and i'd say at least say if the nets get healthy because I didn't think it was a foregone conclusion. Now, they made it through the first series without any issue, but 47 seconds into game one of the second series, now you're down one of your big three. So uh, that was the way that they played all year long. They just didn't have the three together. But much like they did last night, I don't want to say they didn't need James Harden because he's one of the best players on the planet, but they at least didn't need him last night. No, you know, and when they're healthy – you know, for me, they are the best team in the NBA. But as you said, that that hasn't happened a lot. And, you know, we just got through the first round today and second round games have started over the past couple of days. And think about all the guys that have already been hurt, whether it's Embiid, Donovan Mitchell, they missed the first game. But uh, Dante DiVincenzo got hurt in the playoffs. Jeff Green, now James Harden, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis. has been guys, you know, kind of dropping like flies. 
So that's why, like, the minute this, when this series started, I thought right away, I said, you know what, the one thing about the Nets, they've had guys in and out of the lineup all year. Let's hope that this isn't the case in, you know, in the playoffs. And sure enough, game one of the second round, not even, get, you know, 43 seconds into game two, I'm sorry, into game one, uh, poor James Harden goes down, and we don't know the severity of it. But again, you know, I, I still think they have enough to get to an NBA Finals. I still think they have enough to probably win it, especially if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to play like that. You know, both of these guys have been in very big games before. They both won championships. They both played really well in some of these moments. You know, the year that the Cavs won the title, go you know go back and look at that game five that Kyrie Irving had out in the Bay Area. Then he had the you know the big shot in yep. game seven. Obviously, Kevin Durant's resume speaks for itself. So they have a lot. And Blake Griffin has been a big addition. Joe Harris is good. The key will be those, those role players, Jody, because last night Mike James played starters minutes, 30 minutes, and he played really well. And he scored 12 points. Can he replicate that again? And without Jeff Green, that Jeff Green was an important player to this team, really important role player. He hasn't played in the past couple of games. They've actually done pretty well without him. But, you know, as you move along, that, that, that loss is going to be bigger. I think you got to give a big nod last night to Blake Griffin. Um, when they pick him up off the scrap heap, understand he's not the player that he used to be. And he, he flashed at times for the Nets, but also uh, playing out of position, playing a small five. They're asking him to do something he doesn't really uh, – hasn't done much of in his career. Damn, he came up big last night, specifically a menace on the board for Brooklyn. Yeah, I thought he was terrific. And, you know, Blake Griffin, uh, when Blake Griffin is being guarded by Brooke Lopez, Brooke is going to drop off of him and dare him to hit that shot. And Blake made it. He had four three-pointers in the game. I think it was Blake Griffin and Joe Harris had nine three-pointers between them, and the Bucks had, um, I think it was six that they had as a team. I thought Blake Griffin was outstanding. The play where he got on the floor and was fighting for the loose ball, I thought the crowd, which in the Boston series wasn't really that loud. I think a lot of that really had to do with the fact that to me, the Nets were really never challenged in that series, but the crowd really came alive at that moment. That's the kind of hustle that people like to see. And, you know, he was just getting it done on both ends of the court. And, you know, here's a guy that began the season in Detroit. You know, he fell out of favor there. They knew that they were going to move him at some point or, or buy him out, which they eventually did. And he goes from being, you know, playing on the second-worst team in the NBA to playing a huge role down the stretch. Jody, if you look at the lineup that was out there in the fourth quarter, it was, you know, Durant, and Kyrie and Joe Harris, along with Mike James, who started the season in Russia, and Blake Griffin, who, like I said, started the season in purgatory. And there they are playing important <laughs> fourth quarter minutes for the Brooklyn Nets. Frank, yeah, I saw the zero this on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, let's talk about today's action a little bit. Um, start with the second game. Clippers find a way to win at home after everybody wins the road games. Dallas the first two. Clippers the next two. Then Dallas. Then the Clippers. Finally, a home team wins. Clippers got the win today. Kawhi Leonard was Kawhi Leonard. As great as Dantich is and was, uh, the Clippers had the better team, and uh, they got contributions for that many more players. I think Dallas had all of six points off their bench. Uh, That's not going to get the job done. Um the Suns take out the Lakers and are feeling themselves right about now, and they did so with more ease than the Clippers had to to get through. Does that even the scales enough that the Suns should be a favorite coming into this series in your eyes? Well, you know, it, it's amazing, right? If you look at if, if you look at Denver, Phoenix, and then you look at you know Utah Clippers, you can make a case for all four of those teams getting through to the next round. Now, obviously. Uh, Utah will have the home court advantage in in their series against uh, the Clippers, and obviously right. Phoenix will have the home court advantage 
in their series against Denver. But to me, the West, whenever LeBron is out, like when, you know, those, those rare occasions when he gets knocked out, it's completely wide open for everybody. And I think all four of those teams have had really good moments. I mean, Denver has the great player, Nikola Jokic, who was terrific against Portland. I get that they don't have Jamal Murray, but the kid Monte Morris has been great coming off the bench. Obviously, the Clippers with Kawhi, all the championship experience that he has. Phoenix, which is, I mean, what they did, to me, when they, when they won that game four in L.A. last week, that was the key, getting back home at 2-2. Because I think if everything is right with the Lakers, the Lakers would have won that game. They're up 3-1, and things tend to be a little bit different. And then, of course, you have the Utah Jazz, who after that game one without Donovan Mitchell completely rolled over the um, Memphis Grizzlies and got back to playing the way that they did when they went through that stretch during the regular season when they were 20-1. and one. It's exciting. Listen, LeBron is a great player, and I get, like, if you have LeBron James or Steph Curry playing, you know, the ratings are going to be a little bit better. But it, there is something kind of exciting about these four teams out west that are still playing because I think each of them – has something that's that's pretty interesting. And obviously, all four of them, Jody, have never won an NBA championship, and one of them is getting to the NBA Finals. Somebody's getting one to, uh, trip to the NBA Finals. You're correct. All right, you mentioned one guy I wanted to uh, give me a little bit more info on, and that's uh, Nicole Jokic, who I think is going to get the MVP. If you were debating, not that it matters because all the votes have already been cast, but if you were debating as to whether he actually deserved it or not, all you had to do was watch that series and said, damn, okay, yeah, he looks like an MVP to me. Uh, not only that, but I know, uh, having done this job for 30-plus years, everybody likes a comp. If they haven't seen enough of a guy, don't completely understand a guy. Give me someone who he plays like, someone I may know, someone who's already had their career and gotten it done. I can't come up with a comp for Nikola Jokic because he does it differently than any other NBA player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and, and I think maybe his physique has a little something to do with that. It's an unconventional kind of body that he has, but obviously, you know, the European big men, really, all European players, you know, their ability to pass the ball, and that's what makes him so much fun to watch is, you know, when guys are cutting to the basket. That's why when they got Aaron Gordon out of, out of Orlando, you knew that would work because Aaron Gordon plays above the rim and you would have, you know, you run along the baseline and Jokic is going to find you. He's going to find you cutting to the basket. He's a very, very unique player. And, again, you know, it, it's funny. You, what you said is true. I think if people watch the way that he played against Portland, you can understand why he's going to be the MVP. But people always tend to forget the votes are cast before right. game one of the NBA playoffs. I actually had a vote this year for MVP. I did vote Nikola Jokic. Uh, I, I gave him the first place vote for me. He played every game, number one. He was incredibly productive. When Jamal Murray went down, the team was still playing at an incredible level. And, and I also didn't give any consideration to anybody that didn't play under 60 games. Now, to me, like the Embiid, I did not put Embiid in my top five. Embiid's a terrific player, but you cannot miss 21 games and be the MVP of the league. And I always said to a lot of people who were you know, debating me on it, I said, if Nikola Jokic played 51 games, would I be allowed to debate that he should still be the MVP? You get everyone would look at me like I was crazy because it's a guy that not you know maybe not a lot of people get to see play because he plays out in Denver, whatever the case may be. But he's a brilliant, brilliant player to watch. And that game six against Portland, you know, Portland was up. It was either 13 or 14 in the third quarter, and Denver started coming back, and it was Jokic doing what you said. You know, he's knocking down a three, putting the ball on the floor, dunking on guys, making passes. The guy is just a terrific player with an incredibly soft touch, and not a, I don't think he's got one muscle on his entire body. <laughs> I've always said I thought that Bill Walton was the best 
passing big man in the history of the NBA. But uh, Jokic is actually making me rethink that. All right, how about that guy you said you wouldn't put in your top five because he missed too many games, 21, Joel Embiid. He ends up playing today. I was actually quite surprised. I thought he was going to sit. Not that I had inside information or anything. I just thought that uh, if you can get game one without him, then you can proceed with caution going forward. He says he's good to go. The Sixers say he's good to go. He's in the starting lineup, and they just got blitzed in the first half. The Hawks did not miss shots. They just kept training. Trey Young was unbelievable. Yeah, I know the Sixers made an unbelievable comeback and got it to two within 10 seconds to go, but I think that's a little bit of a lost leader because they're not going to come out and play full-court press next game, so I don't know how much you really factor that in, but... Were the Sixers not ready? Were the Sixers not good enough? Have I been underselling the Hawks all throughout? How did what transpired in Philadelphia actually come to? Yeah, the perimeter shooting for Philadelphia from three kind of hurt them early on. But to me, you know, Trey Young, you've just seen the evolution of a young guy, and he's really maturing before everybody's eyes. I think, you know, first couple of years in the league, I think he felt for in order to be effective, he had to you know, scored 35 points. In order to do that, he was usually taking about 35 shots a night. The idea now of trying to be a guy that's like a 25 and 10, and he certainly did that against the Knicks in the first round. He shows incredible toughness. He just has a way about him. And I think you know, the key for him is that he's willing to pass the ball. So when he gets into the lane and they surround him with so many good shooters, especially Bogdanovich, who really has shown himself to be a pretty good player in the first two rounds, that makes him that much dangerous. If you go back to the Knicks series, the most important shot of that series was when Trey Young drove to the uh, lane, kicked the ball out to Bogdanovich, who hit the three under a minute to go when the Knicks were up uh, 103-100. That tied the game. Then the Hawks really never looked back from that point. Atlanta, I, got, I give them credit. And remember, too, they did not have DeAndre Jordan, and Cam Reddish has been out for a long time. And Cam Reddish, who played at Duke, obviously with R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, has become a better shooter, still needs to get better. But in terms of, like, defending, he's a big-time athlete. They have some really, really good talent on that team. And they also have one of the more underrated players in the league in Clint Capella. I think he, he's been outstanding. Yes, and uh, he, he played pretty big for them today. But you're right, it was the shooting that won it for Atlanta. All right, if you are Doc Rivers and Trey Young did what he did to you, how are you planning on coming out and defending him in game number two? Yeah, I mean, maybe um, – Thibault will guard him. Ben Simmons a little bit more. they got to do something to keep him out of the lane. And the one thing about the Atlanta Hawks, I don't think they're just going to be satisfied with getting that one win in Philadelphia. So the Sixers are going to be up against it in that game, too. And you know what's going to happen? You know, they fall behind a little bit early. All of a sudden, the crowd starts to get a little restless. The, the Sixers are in for a fight. But, again, we, all, we always seem to overreact sometimes to a game one, you know, maybe the fact that Embiid hadn't been practicing with the team and missed the last game, maybe that factored into the way that they played overall. But you can't be getting blown out like they did in the first half. You can't go into the locker room down 20 at halftime when you're home. And to me, that that, that run that they had was a bit of a token run yeah. at the end. I get it that, you know, the Atlanta Hawks made some free throws. They made sh- some shots, but it really never seemed like that game was in doubt. Oh, I actually thought it was in doubt, but uh, when it, when it ends, I don't go. Oh, wow! Now the Sixers know what they need to do. Yeah, well, they're not going to play uh, ninety foot four, ninety four foot defense for the entire game, so I don't think it has any relevance on the rest of the series. All right, one or two outside of the playoff questions. A couple of quick coaching changes. 
this week. Kind of a surprise. Brad Stevens, now the president of the Boston Celtics because Danny Ainge walks away. Um, Clifford out in Orlando. Terry Stotts out in Portland. It went from a slow offseason because, you know, in the NFL, it's Black Monday after the season's over and done with and everybody gets fired. The NBA doesn't work that quickly, but it uh, came to the forefront this week. Any surprises with the coaches that are no longer coaching? No, you know, the Terry Stotts one, you know, if you look at his career record, and, you know, they made the playoffs, I think it was all nine years that he was there. I just kind of think it comes down to a talent thing. They did make it to a conference finals a few years ago, and the big thing there was they faced a Warrior team without Kevin Durant, and they still got swept. And I love Damian Lillard. Listen, if I were the Knicks and you could get him, I'd do it, you know, tomorrow if I could. And I think that's true of most teams in the league. But Damian Lillard is also one of these guys, when he has great games, it's celebrated. When he doesn't have great games, we tend to forget about it a little bit. He did go one for nine in the second half of game six. And in his previous home game, he was one for 11. Again, he's a great player. I would 100% take him on my team, but he did not have a good ending to his season in the second half against the Denver Nuggets. But Terry Stotts, you know, I, you know I've gotten to know him a lot over the years. I, I think he's a terrific guy, obviously a good coach. Maybe it was just time for a change. Maybe they felt like they needed – a different direction. I know they people tend to say that need a new voice. That happens a lot in a lot of places, especially where you haven't won. You know, Bill Belichick's been in New England forever, but he has the Super Bowls. And you know, look at Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. He's been there forever, but he's won a championship. So I think when you're there for that long, never made it to a finals. I think Terry Stotts kind of understands it. Okay, see if he lands somewhere else and gets a uh, another gig. Uh, down the road, because I do uh, think he's a pretty good coach. I'm with you on that one. Since you went to Dame, is he going to try and talk his way out of Portland this offseason, do you think? I don't know. I mean, he's got three years left on his contract. He is a West Coast guy. To me, he's always kind of come across the same way that Giannis comes across, where they're not going to try to join forces with somebody. I know he had that kind of cryptic, cryptic Instagram post that he had right after the season ended. So that has some people thinking about it. But if you're Portland and you're going to make a call like that, you know, you have to get be getting a lot of draft picks in return. You'd hope that you can get a, uh, a pretty good player. I mean, Damian Lillard is one of the best players in the league. I voted him, and I think I voted him, gave him a fourth-place vote for MVP. He's going to get a lot of votes for that. You know, you're talking about one of the top, top talents in the league, and I, I think that's still a pretty good job for a, for a head coach. But, you know, there's probably maybe one or two moves they have to make. You know, Nurkic was a little disappointing always in foul trouble. Maybe the guy's C.J. McCollum that uh, that they have to trade to try to get better. But I'm, I'm not getting rid of him yet, especially when he's got three years left on his contract. All right. And uh, what came down in Boston? Had you heard whispers on that? Because I got to tell you, when I heard that the other day, I said, get the hell out of here. Danny Ainge is walking away. I thought they were going to take him out uh, in a big box uh, out of the yeah. Boston Garden when his days were over and done with. Didn't think he was going to walk away on his own. Where did that come from? And you know, and they have a pretty good, they do a pretty good job of keeping everything under wraps because yeah. this was something that Danny Haynes had decided after the uh, trading deadline that he wasn't going to be coaching there. I mean, that he wasn't going to be there anymore. And they had gone to Brad Stevens. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Brad Stevens. You know, he started getting criticized a lot for not holding players accountable and, you know, maybe being enough of a disciplinarian. Maybe he realized he was going to be their boss in terms of the front office. Maybe that kind of impacted the way that he coached them the you know, the latter half of the season. I think Brad Stevens did a good job there. This idea that Brad Stevens is failing up, I think, is absurd. I mean, he went to the conference finals uh, three times, what was it, three times in four or five years with Boston. I think he did a really good job. I think he's a, a really good coach. 
we'll see how he does as a president. You know, you have to put the work in. You know, like when Phil Jackson got the job in New York, you know, Phil had health issues. He was 69 years old, really didn't want to, you know, do the day-to-day stuff. And you really have to grind in that job. I think, you know, Brad Stevens is young enough. You would hope that would be the case. I heard, like, he wasn't crazy. He missed, I think, a lot of his, in fact, every high school game that his son played in. And I think, I think family issues have something to do with that. I just think the coaching bug for him right now, he just doesn't have it. I think I do the radio show with Brian Scalabrini, who's Mr. Boston Celtic up in Boston. He does their games on TV. He thinks that Brad's going to be in this job for 10 years. Maybe that's the case. I still think at some point Brad's going to want to coach somewhere. To me, he looks like one of those guys that enjoys coaching. He likes it. And at some point he'll get back to doing it. I don't know if it'll be with the Celtics. I don't know if it'll be in the NBA, but I just think that someday he's going to get back to coaching. Frank Isola, always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate the insight. Uh, We will touch base as the playoffs roll along. Thanks for getting on with us tonight. Thanks, Jody. I'll talk to you. Frankie Ice uh, does the show with Brian Scalabrini on Sirius XM's NBA radio and does pre and post for the Nets on the Yes Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.